Hello, my name is Cameron McCluskey and I'm a marketing associate for WCG. I'd like to first welcome all of our listeners and thank you all for taking some time out of your busy schedules for our Flipping the Funnel Patient Recruitment Podcast. Today, I'm joined by my colleague, Mark Summers, WCG's president of patient engagement and founder of WCG 3Wire. Mark, if you would, tell us a bit about your background and your role here at WCG. Um, sure. Well, good afternoon, Cameron. It, it's great to join you on this. Uh, I've uh, been in the industry for over 35 years. I actually started my career at an academic site and went from there to the sponsor side of the industry. Uh, got involved uh, as an entrepreneur and starting a couple of businesses on the sponsor side. And as a result of my experience there, came away with distinct feeling that there had to be an easier way to get patients enrolled in clinical studies. And so uh, after selling the last sponsor company, I uh, started 3Wire with the goal of uh, tackling a new way to solve the patient recruitment challenge. Thanks so much. Um, and again, thanks so much for taking some time to sit down with me today. Uh, so let's just jump right in and uh, let's talk about patient recruitment, or in this case, rethinking patient recruitment. So in doing just a little bit of research, it's easy to find some pretty alarming statistics when it comes to clinical trials. Um, like 80% of clinical trials are behind on enrollment, and you know, as high as 68% of sites fail to meet their enrollment targets. I think this really sheds light on the industry-wide strategical shortcomings when it comes to patient recruitment for a clinical trial. Could you talk a bit about what the traditional patient recruitment model is, what it looks like, and what you think the weaknesses of that model are? Yeah, the, uh, the, the patient recruitment industry has really evolved around uh, finding patients for, for clinical research studies. And um, at the root of slow enrollment today are, are two main causes. There could be many different individual reasons specific to study protocols and locations of sites and patient population, therapeutic area, and so on. But uh, most of those can be tied back to one of uh, or both of two root causes. One is that there simply aren't enough patient candidates that are accessible to the sites. Uh, because uh, out of a population of patients that meet the uh, the, the disease-specific criteria for the study, uh, and when I say disease-specific, I don't mean the IE criteria. I mean patients who are in the therapeutic uh, population, okay. number one. And number two, uh, they know about a specific study, so they have awareness of it. And then number three, they're offered the opportunity to participate in that study a very small percentage are going to end up enrolling. It's actually single digits, typically one to three or four percent. Right. So that means if we assume, for example, that it's two percent, uh, that's one in 50. So uh, if uh, a sponsor's goal is for a site to enroll five patients, that means that site has to identify 250 patients that, that uh, meet uh, that criteria. And this is historically where the patient recruitment industry, as it's grown up as a, as a separate industry, has really focused. Uh, they focused on 
identifying patient candidates through various means. Typically, um, what has been at the center of it is various forms of direct response outreach using various media channels. Uh, a few years ago, it was more traditional media, radio and TV and a newspaper, and those are still used, but uh, uh, more recently it has migrated to electronic, uh, digital media, uh, social media platforms, and uh, mediums such as that. And uh, so the industry has grown up around uh, uh, focusing on identifying patient candidates. In fact, many of the uh, longer-term patient recruitment companies in the industry today actually evolved out of uh, advertising agency models. And uh, But if you only focus on solving that problem, you actually exacerbate the second root cause of slow enrollment, which is limited site bandwidth. Sites simply don't have the resources and the time to focus optimally on a given clinical research study. Um, investigators typically have a busy clinical practice. They have other studies. Uh, the, they have to spread the resources over multiple studies in order for the economics of clinical research to make sense at their site. And so uh, on the one hand, so you have these two root causes, not enough patients on the one hand, and on the other hand, a shortage of, uh, of site bandwidth and resources. And focusing on solving only one of those uh, by identifying patient candidates actually uh, sometimes not only doesn't help, it actually exacerbates the problem because now uh, you have a site that already doesn't have enough resources uh, to optimally manage the study. And now you're adding to that uh, the, uh, the need to process a lot of referrals, which may be at varying degrees of qualification before they get handed off to the site by patient recruitment firms. And uh, so it exacerbates the problem. And as a result, uh, there are breakdowns in, uh, in overall patient recruitment and enrollment. Yeah, that's, that's a great answer. It's, a, it's, it's incredibly interesting to see you know, just how dangerous the ripple effect can be uh, for the rest of the enrollment timeline by, by having those kind of flawed strategies right out of the gate and, and how that's going to affect the, the entire enrollment timeline. Um, yeah, it, it it actually uh, it not only doesn't work in many cases, but it creates uh, a lot of uh, anxiety, okay. and uh, it's very upsetting to sites who want to do a good job with enrollment, and uh, unfortunately, um, it has worked to the detriment of the recruitment industry over the years because uh, sites often don't want to engage with recruitment firms, even though sponsors hire them. Uh, because they know this is going to be a likely outcome of working with a recruitment firm. Right. Great. Well, uh, if you're ready, we'll uh, move on and uh, to, to question two. So what do you think is the new paradigm in patient recruitment? How can you better prepare for and execute patient recruitment? And how does that lead to an increase in enrollment? Well, the, the new paradigm in recruitment is uh, it's really uh, what, what uh, you know, the old saying, everything uh, old is new again, or vice versa. And um, in this case, the new paradigm is really back to basics. Um, if, you, if you think of identifying uh, patient candidates for a clinical research study, 
the logical place for that to really start is at the site. A good way to think about this is using a concentric circle model where uh, the innermost circle is uh, comprised of uh, active patients of the clinic. These are patients who are coming through every week for clinic visits and uh, ensuring that those patients are being identified and evaluated for clinical research studies at that site as appropriate is uh, that that's the lowest hanging fruit on the tree. And so putting a system in place to do that first and foremost is most important. And then the next outer ring are uh, inactive clinic patients. These are patients who have been to the clinic. Uh, the investigator is perhaps their physician or has been their physician in the past. And uh, those patients just happen to be inactive. They don't have a visit scheduled, or maybe they don't have a visit scheduled for several weeks. And uh, these patients can be identified through uh, comprehensive review of charts. And then the next outer ring are uh, patients of uh, referral physicians for the site. It's, it's often thought that uh, physicians, especially primary care physicians, are reluctant to refer patients to clinical research studies because they're going to lose that patient. And uh, there may be some truth to that, uh, but the uh, the most prominent reason they don't is they just simply aren't aware of a study or they don't know enough about a study to feel comfortable in, uh, in referring their patients to the study. And so um, uh, a resource at the site can address that problem by uh, creating a pathway to that site and uh, providing those education resources uh, that are needed. And then the next outer ring would be uh, reaching out into the community around the site, the physical community uh, within uh, proximity of the site. And uh, patients uh, with, a, with a given uh, disease state or medical condition uh, often tend to have patterns of behavior or uh, patterns of interaction with the community and uh, uh, or, or uh, local patient advocacy groups, local care groups and care settings. And those can be leveraged to uh, interact with those patients and identify candidates for a study. Then the outermost rings are the patients who are identified through various forms of media outreach. And there are a couple of other things that are, uh, are, are critical factors when thinking about this concentric circle model, patients in the innermost circle have the closest relationship with the investigator. They have a familiarity uh, because they've been a patient, uh, they know the investigator, they know the practice, and as you begin to get farther and farther out, the familiarity with the practice uh, begins to uh, become less and less and uh, until you get to the media outreach patients where typically uh, that familiarity is, is often zero. <clears throat> There's also an economic aspect to this. Uh, those patients uh, in the innermost circle cost the least to access. And when I am referring to cost here, I'm talking about the cost of implementing this um, as uh, divided by the number of patient enrollments that are produced by it where the outermost rings uh, are the most expensive because you have the cost of the media ads, even if they're digital media ads, that have to be advertised over the number of enrollments. And so it only makes sense to start at that innermost uh, circle 
and work your way out. And yet, um, um, we we call that flipping the funnel um, and starting at the site and uh, working out. And uh, and yet, most of the recruitment industry does the exact opposite. Starts at the outermost ring with the most expensive patients and those patients who uh, have little to no familiarity with the site. Awesome. Now, with all that said, do you think this same strategy would work with with a global trial? It does. In fact, um, it's actually easier to implement in some global studies in some parts of the world, uh, such as Eastern Europe. You have uh, legacy healthcare systems uh, that uh, have established uh, health systems and regions that patients uh, uh, go to the hospital. And uh, you have established uh, referral networks of physicians that are already in place. Uh, you have uh, legacy uh, medical record systems. And uh, it's actually easier to implement in some parts uh, of the world uh, than others. And so uh, at uh, WCG3Wire, uh, we use this to very great effect in uh, various parts of the world in addition to the United States. Awesome. Uh, great job. Uh, so let's move on to, to the third and final question. And I know you touched a bit upon it um, already, but what is the economic philosophy of this new way to approach patient recruitment? You and I have both seen uh, a recent uptick in questions uh, during our webinars about the financial commitment and strategy of patient recruitment. Questions like, you know, how much financial incentive is too much? Does your model suggest recruitment at any cost? Just a, just a few of the questions that have uh, recently been asked. Uh, could you could you touch a bit uh, upon this? Yeah, I, I sure can, Cameron. And those are all great questions. Mm -hmm. And uh, patient recruitment should always be thought of as an exercise in value creation. And uh, what I mean by that is. Um, the, the cost of a patient recruitment program can be amortized over the number of enrollments that it produces uh, to come up with a cost per enrolled patient. And, uh, and then those incremental enrolled patients produced by a recruitment program shorten the time to enroll the overall study. And it's possible to, uh, through a, a spreadsheet tool, to monetize the uh, the value of that time saved, in other words, to come up with an actual dollar value, and it's relatively straightforward to do that. And so, um, it should always be thought of as an exercise in value creation. You're going to invest in a recruitment program. It's going to produce a certain number of enrollments. It's going to that, that that in turn is going to result in a cost per enrolled patient, and then. Um, the uh, the time savings can be monetized into a value per enrolled patient, and uh, the the uh, the difference between those two is simply return on investment. And so, uh, if you're spending um, five thousand dollars per enrolled patient or ten thousand per enrolled patient, and uh, you're gaining a hundred thousand dollars in value in the form of of saved time. Then you, then you have a 10 to 1 or 20 to 1 return on investment. And that's really the way that the uh, patient recruitment program 
both the design and implementation of a recruitment program has to be thought of. Um, sponsors always are going to have limited resources. Nobody has has unlimited resources. But uh, when a sponsor asks me uh, how much is too much, the answer to that question is relative. Um, the the uh, the goal is to get the best return on investment and the greatest value. And uh, that starts with uh, going back to the concentric circle model. Um, it only makes sense to uh, produce as many enrollments as possible from those low-cost patients because then as you amortize the cost of the uh, recruitment program, um, as you lower that cost, uh, you're going to increase the return on investment. And maximizing return on investment is what it's all about. Yeah, the uh, you know this kind of value story for uh, deploying a, a recruitment strategy uh, seems you know kind of like an endless topic that we could go to, into into the future. Um, it, it sounds like like there's a lot to say about that. Um, it, it is, it, it is, Cameron, and it's um, the uh, calculating ROI, planning for ROI. And planning for value creation is something that should be part of planning every patient recruitment program. Um, if it's not part of the planning and scoping and budgeting for a patient recruitment program, then something is being left out. So uh, you're right, it's extremely important. Awesome. Uh, well, Mark, thank you so much for, uh, for, again, taking some time to sit down with me and uh, for sharing your, your insight on the landscape of clinical trial patient recruitment. Uh, I want to give another special thanks to, to, all, of, uh, to all of you listening as well um, and point you to our website for more information uh, on the new paradigm of patient recruitment, uh, wcgclinical.com, uh, where you will find a plethora of webinars and white papers further diving into the topic. Uh, we hope you enjoyed your listen and take care.